name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here. I just want to welcome you guys and, and just say uh, thank you for trusting us this morning with a, a sliver or a moment of your time, especially if you're new with us. Uh, we know that sometimes, you know, coming to a new church or, you know, mingling with new people can be disarming or, or alarming or, or lots of things. And so just uh, we hope that we honor you with that this morning. We hope that we make you feel comfortable in that this morning. Speaking of new, if you are new and you've been around for a few weeks or a few months and you're kind of like, hey, I'd really like to know more about how to plug in or a little bit more about what this place is about. Can I, can I personally invite you to something today? Uh, directly, immediately after service, if you'll go out in the lobby and say, I'm looking for open house. It's about 15 minutes. I think the max that it's ever been has been 18 minutes. And so we're going to get you out in plenty of time for lunch, but I want to invite you to open house. I lead that. And it's just a, an opportunity for us to get to know you, but also to help you connect. We just want to put you in touch with some things that uh, some are informational, some are relational, just so you can get a little bit uh, better feel for Wellhouse. And so we're going to run that this week and next week. We do these periodically. And so I would love for you to come and be a part of that today. And like I said, about 15, 20 minutes max, uh, we'll even give you a gift and you'll be out the door. And just wanted to say uh, thank you for giving us a minute of your time and your ear to see if maybe Wellhouse is the place that you want to start family. Uh, we are beginning a new series today. We're going to run this through uh, the month of November. We're excited about it. Uh, and I know that when you see the graphic, I know Oh, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. This is about to be a series on tithing. It's not. It's not. We are going to talk about some money, but we're not going to talk about tithing. So can we just, can we, can we like breathe now? Like, oh, I didn't really want to come today because every time I go to church, it's always about money. What's well, about money, but we're not going to pass baskets at the end. We're not going to take up an additional love offering. We're not doing any of that today, okay? So you can kind of let that go out of your mind. But I do want to ask you a question as we start this series. How many of you, how many of you as kids... Or maybe as adults yesterday, I don't know, dreamed about what it would like or be like to be rich. Maybe you're triggered, you're driving down the interstate and you see the Powerball is up to what, 586 million? And you go, now, you know, that would change my life. The 40 million that it was a few weeks ago wouldn't change my life, but the 586 million, now that would change. And so you spend the rest of your commute thinking about man, what would I do with that? And I wonder how my life would change. And we begin to think in these cycles of how would we live as rich people? Now, this starts to play a role really early in our life, doesn't it? This last Thursday, my nephews came up, and we, uh, we always do Halloween together. Uh, if you're on Facebook or you're on social media, you see this, the, 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 the stupidity that runs rampant in my family. Uh, it's not really stupidity. It, it, it's creativity, creativity. And so I was Randy Macho Man Savage this year. My dad was Hulk Hogan, which will forever be cemented into my brain and memory. Um, but, but we get together, and we do this. And so this was the request of my 7-year-old. He said, Uncle Jason. Can we go trick-or-treating where the rich people live? Now, if we didn't come to any of your houses, don't take offense. And I was like, sure. So we did that. We went trick-or-treating at what, what appears to be richer people. Well, a few moments into that, and then later in the evening, as they're kind of sorting the candy, he looks at me, he goes, you know, rich people don't really give out candy like rich people should. Next year, let's just go back to the regular people's house. <laughs> and I was like, so I wonder in his mind what constitutes rich. And so it's this, it's this view that he already has at seven years old of this is what distinguishes those who are rich 
from those who are not. And I, if I'm being honest, I think about that too. I think about what would it be like to be rich. And it seems like I can always point to something or someone that is rich. So, raise of hands. How many of you know someone who is rich? I don't point. <laughs> we all have an image. I know someone who's rich. My boss is rich. My neighbor is rich. Or somebody, my, my uncle, is rich. And I'm trying to, you know, make sure I'm in good with the uncle because I want to be in the wheel. You know, like we, we, we know. But if I ask a question, I wonder how many hands would shoot up on this one. How many of you are rich? See, you cheat because you know Jesus. You know where I'm going with this. But we're, quick, we're, we're really slow to say that, aren't we? We know someone who's rich, but we're really hesitant or we're really, we don't view ourselves. And so the way I want to start this series is I want to get to a place where we not only know people who are rich, but we begin to become fully aware of ourselves, where we begin to say, you know what, uh, in a culture that is baiting us with all sorts of how to get rich things, how to get rich quick, I want us to begin to, in the next four weeks, I just want us to stop, come face to face with who we are, but also in a world as we become more in tune with our own reality, it's not just about getting rich, it's about how to live rich. How do we be rich? And so Timothy is given some instructions by a guy named Paul, and this is what Paul said to Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hopes in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hopes in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, most of us, we hear that and we go, you know, I'm okay with Paul giving some commands to rich people because I'm not rich. And so it's this moment where you look at me and go, Pastor, give it to the people who are rich because I'm telling you, my uncle could come down a notch or two or my boss. And we begin to look at this and we have no problem with this text because we don't view ourselves as rich. So let me ask another question. I've got a lot of questions this morning. What's the line that you have to cross in order to be rich? There's, there's a line, right? I told you a minute ago, we can point to somebody, and you raised your hand. I know somebody who's rich, meaning that there's a marker, there's a metric that you have measured that says that is what distinguishes them as rich and me as not. So what is the line that we have to cross? That line, when you, when, when you cross it, you go, bam, now I'm rich. Here's the line that culture draws, and I'm about to show you some things that are all my things. And so for some of us, that line is a house. So I'm telling you, if you are ever invited to dinner at my house and you show up and it looks like this, that is a line I have crossed. It's a line I don't ever anticipate crossing, but it's a line nonetheless. If you show up to a pool party at my place, this is what rich is going to look like. For some of us, it's cars. It's a status thing. It's a car thing. And if I could ever just get rid of this beater and graduate up, and there's the line, if I can graduate up into this, then then I will know because I will have peered into the driver's mirror and gone, man, someone rich 
is about to pass me. One day, I'll be the one passing. For me, it's a matter of where I sit at a sporting venue. And I crawl up into the 300s a lot at the Predators games, and I go, man, there'll be a day, you know, one day I'm going to cross the line and I'm going to graduate up, and I begin to look. If I can sit courtside, that's a line. And I'll go, 300s, 200s, bam, I'm on the ice or I'm on the court side. For some of us, it's, it's retirement, where you retire. For me, I'll probably retire just off Willis Branch, where I currently live. That's as good as my view is ever going to get, I think. But you know what? I, I think to myself, if I get to retire with that, there's the line. For some of us, it's things like sports caves. I'm a collector. And if I could ever get this sports cave, if I could ever get this place to watch, I don't know if you notice this, there's like 12 TVs in this place. He can watch or she can watch every game they want to watch. There is a scrolling bar on the top that runs scores. It's amazing. And you go, man, if I could ever, you know, get my little 600 square foot sports cave that is full of good stuff, but I could ever get it look like that, and bam. And I don't know what your line is. For you, it might be boats and jewelry and technology and memberships and clubs. But I know this, is that everybody typically has a line. And it's that line that when we cross it, we go, okay, now I'm rich. Now, the problem is few of us ever cross the line because the line moves. The line shifts. So let's talk money for just a second, and then we'll talk some things that matter. So what is rich? See, in order to get where we want to go with this series, we got to know where we are. In order for you to get where God wants you to go, when he's talking to Timothy, when Paul's talking to Timothy about where he wants them to get, they have to first come to grips with who they are and where they are and how richly they have already been blessed. So let's just talk. So, so before you can move to, to the to, to place in the future that God wants you to move as a Christian... As a follower of Jesus, you got to understand the current. So, as I was getting all this stuff together, I discovered something. I discovered that I know a lot of rich people based on just numbers alone. So, bear with me for a second. But I think you're going to get where I'm going with this in order for us to go somewhere the next few weeks. If you look at a Gallup poll that was put out in the last couple of years, they ask different people at different levels of wage earning. So they, they kind of polled people, and they said, okay, let's poll some, some executives. Let's poll, you know, Walmart cashiers. Let's, let's poll all sorts of wage uh, level earners, you know, those kinds of things. And they asked this question, how much would you need to make in order to consider yourself rich? Before you're rich, how much would you need to make? And here's some of the answers. People that averaged $30,000 a year, their response was $75,000 a year. They said, if I can make $75,000 a year, I will have crossed a line that will put me into a rich category. Now, some of you are sitting there right now going, I make that. I'll tell you what, I'll open my books. You can see my account. That ain't rich. But nonetheless, that was the line. Now, people at $50,000 a year, so 30, now $50,000 a year, their av the average response was six figures. If I could make $100,000 a year, then I have arrived. And again, some of you make $100,000 a year, and you go, let me tell you, 
After house payment and car payment, I got two teen drivers, braces, I got school clothes, I got dance classes, I got college funds, I got soccer, I got everything else. And I'm telling you, I ain't got jack when it's left over at the end of two weeks, four weeks. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that my family has everything they need. So, they asked the top income earners in America. They asked people who make over $200,000 a year. They said, how much would you have to have in assets before you would consider yourself rich and really comfortable? The average response for people who make over $200,000 a year, that's a far cry from what the ones who made 30 said, right? This is what they said. $5 million in assets, I would consider myself in a position to breathe. And we all go, well, hello. $5 million, let me try that on for size. We all go, well, who in their right mind wouldn't feel comfortable with $5 million until you ask the guy with $5 million. And you know what they say? A little bit more. See, the line moves. I always need a little bit more. I love what Arthur Schopenhauer says. He says that wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. I remember when Lori and I got our first full-time job. We went to West Virginia, real rich state, by the way. We went to West Virginia. We climbed into the hills. We didn't know anybody. And so here we are sitting in this little two-bedroom apartment, and we had a brand-new Lazy Boy sofa and recliner. And I'm sitting there with my feet propped up. I remember we were making a combined 32 and some change, $1,000. And I remember moments in my head where I was like, money, 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 money. And I would click that recliner back, and I'm going, now we are living the good life. We're not in college anymore. And then that first month's rent came. The pantry that someone else had stocked began to deplete. And then there's this thing, like, I don't know what it is, but like when you go to, to school, if you don't have the money to pay for school as you go, uh, there's these, these things they call loans. And all of a sudden, I started getting mail from this lady named Sally Mae. And we began to run the books. And it didn't take us but about three hours to figure out. $32,000. And so you know what happened? You know, Lord, if we could just, if, you know, if, if we could pick up a little, if we could just get to $40,000. See, we moved the line. And then we got there. And then if, if, if we could just get to, and we upped it, and we upped it, and we upped it. Now, since I'm at a place now where I'm making about a half mil a year, I, we don't have those discussions anymore, right? <laughs> but it went up, and it went up, and it went up. The rich line moves. Now, a couple more numbers, and, and I promise I'm going to get back to this text. But I think we've got to come face-to-face with who we are. And I know this is going to be hard to digest, but here, let me give you a couple more stats, and then I promise I'm going to move off this. If you make more than $33,000 a year, do you realize 
that you're in the top 1% of the world. Let that sink in. $33,000 a year. Remember, those are the people who said, if I can only make 75, then I'd be rich. You are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Now, some of us are mega rich because if you earn more than $80,000 per year, you are in the top 0.1% of the world. That's one-tenth of 1% of everybody who is alive. The average median household income around the world is $9,700 annually. So if we make over $33,000 a year, here's the deal. We are rich compared to the rest of the world, but that doesn't make me feel any better about my current situation, does it? It doesn't make me feel any better about what I've got coming due this week and how hard it is I'm working to make that $33,000. It doesn't make us feel any better about your current situation. I haven't, I've been watching. Nobody's high-fived a neighbor yet and going, hey, I didn't know it till now, but doggone it, we are rich. That's what I like about Jason. It makes me feel good about where I'm, I'm at. And Man, we, we are rich. I didn't see anybody with their phone. I saw some people with their phone out, but I doubt you're texting your boss and going, you know what? My pastor told me I'm rich, and I do make over the wage that he says is the kind of 1%. You know what? I won't be in tomorrow. <laughs> because hearing those numbers doesn't mean anything. It doesn't help us do anything other than maybe feel guilty. If we're not careful what happens, we look at these numbers in the worldwide range and go, well, it doesn't help me feel any better about my current situation, but it doesn't make me feel a little bit guilty, I guess, you know. And again, this is not what this is about. It's about us coming to grips with what we have been given. So the challenge is, if we don't feel rich, okay, if we don't feel rich, we will continue to do what? to try to get rich. And we will cross lines into wealth and into riches. And we've never learned how to live rich because we've been consumed with how to get rich. And that line moves and that line moves. And all along the way, no one has ever stopped and said, now that you're here, what do you do with it? So I want to start where Paul starts. I want to start talking about how we live into riches and being wealthy and being in positions of opportunity that honors God, that makes life matter a little bit more than just the chase of the line. And here's what he says. Let me read it again. I'm going to put it on the screen. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, guys, there's nothing spiritually yet. He's talking about physical wealth things that we have in this present world. He's not talking about the, the theological, you know, rich in love. He's talking about things that you have. He says, do not be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Let me just point out a couple words in here. We're going to wind this down. First thing he says is he says, command those who are rich to not be arrogant. Part of living rich is getting to the place where we discard pride that comes with riches. And here's how that's, this enters. 
the more lines I cross, there's a key word in there, I crossed. And so what happens in this is I begin to think, you know what, <laughs> I've not done too bad. It's all about me. We, we get to these places where, where, you know what, you say, I've worked hard, I have invested wisely, I have practiced living below my means, but let me just kind of give you, an, give you a, a, a dose of reality, is that everything you've done has come at the hands of God. And I'm not talking, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel here, but I'm telling you, if you've got talent, it's because there was talent given to you at birth that you've developed, but nonetheless, it was still given to you. I remember an interview back that I heard with a guy named Jason Williams who was one of the top five draft picks in the NBA. And he, 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 he said, you know, what I learned after a motorcycle accident when I couldn't play the way I used to play, it wasn't until then I realized the gift that I had been given that I didn't earn. He said, when you don't have the talent anymore, you realize the talent you had and where it came from. If we're in this place where we have talent, our mind, our skills, air to breathe, life, it's a God thing. And so Paul says, listen, if you're not careful, you will become arrogant in what you have because you think you have achieved it all on your own. You've got to this place where you feel like, you know what, I have done pretty good. And Ecclesiastes, the, 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 most wi the wisest guy to ever live, a guy named Solomon, who asked, that's what he asked God for. He said, can I have this super spiritual, super natural dose of, dose of wisdom? And here's what he says about riches. He says, when God gives something, someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, he says, this is a gift from God. He says, listen, you can enjoy it. You can live into it. God is okay with you having those things. He's going to give you those things. He's going to make it possible for you to wage earn. He's going to make it possible for you to have above average skills in, in an area that causes you to excel. But keep in mind that all of these things are a gift from God. And here's what I've learned in my life is that every blessing that we don't turn back into praise will quickly turn into pride. When I have those moments where my skill and my hard work and my investments and my pay, if I don't turn those things back into praise, they will quickly and rapidly manifest themselves into pride. Paul says, don't be arrogant. He goes on to say, he says, you've been given these things for your enjoyment. So I don't want you to walk away today and go, well, I guess i got to go have a big yard sale because God doesn't want me to have anything. No, God says, listen, everything you've been given is for your enjoyment. He wants you to have and he wants you to enjoy, but he wants you to get the most out of it. And so here's the most key thing of the morning. Verse 18. Can we put 18 back up on the screen? He says, Paul says, so here's how you do it. And it is remarkably simple. It doesn't require wholesale yard selling. It doesn't require you to live in poverty. It doesn't require you to walk away from high-paying jobs. It doesn't require you to empty your savings accounts. It doesn't require any of that. Living rich doesn't require you to become poor. And Paul says, here it is. Do good, be generous, and share. Command those who are wealthy in this present age to not become arrogant. And not to put hope in worldly things. But instead, command them, it's the same word, command them to do good and be generous and share. To do good, to be generous 
and to share. You want to know why that's part of our DNA here? Guys, you've heard it so many times if you've been around here for a minute. We are wildly generous. We want to live into a lifestyle of generosity because that's how we live rich. We do good. Say it with me. We do good. We be generous and we share. We do good. We be generous and we share. And I want you to notice something. There's not a percentage tag to that. There's not an amount tag to that. God is not concerned with how much. He's concerned with do you take what you have and do good and be generous and share. It is remarkably simple how to live rich. And I love what he says. He says, here's what's going to happen, verse 19. He says, you are going to begin to take hold of the life that is truly life. And you will lose concern and you'll gain sleep by not chasing the next line so that you can get rich. Guys, I can't tell you how many people I've encountered, including myself, that says, I'll do greater things. I'll do more when I get there. And God, I think, sometimes says, why would I ever put you there when you're not doing what it is that you say you'll do where you currently are? And I think that's why it's so important for us to begin this series of saying, here's where we are. So here's the good news. The good news is you are rich. I'm rich. We are rich. Here's the bad news. <laughs> We're rich. And we've got to believe this because as a result of believing it, here's what will happen. We will begin to see the world with rich people opportunities. And again, you may not believe it, but you are. And when we begin to realize our wealth, and I don't know where you're at on the, on, on, the, on the spectrum, and I'll never ask that. I'm not concerned with that. That's a God thing. Our leadership will never come and ask you for, for a, a, a W-2 or any. We just want you to be rich. We want you to do good and be generous and willing to share, But when we realize our wealth, it begins to change our heart and it begins to change everything around us. But in order to get where we are or where we want to go, we got to get there. Now, I want to be sensitive to this because I know that some of you are in real struggle. I get it. Multiple jobs racked with debt. Medical stuff. Unemployment, I get all that. But I also know this. I've been around people long enough to know that there'll be pushback. There'll be pushback when God commands, hey, do more. But I'm going to speak real honest with you. Most of the people that I will get pushback from will be people who will leave here, go get in a car that's probably less than five years old, get on an iPhone 8 or above, and some of us are like, iPhone 8, gross. And we'll send a text about the pastor offended me this morning as you're on your way to a $50 lunch. We're okay. And we have to get to the place where we say, you know what, we're okay. So I want to get to a place where I begin to say, I'm okay and I'm ready to do good, to be generous. You know, I think that the reason we don't feel rich 
is because we consume everything that God gives us. Guys, this hit me like a freight train this week. Jason, you don't feel rich because you consume everything that God gives you. The more I get, the more I consume. And I'm going to guess that in a room this size, I'm not the only one who feels that way. And so as I start this series, and as we start this, this next month that leads up to a pretty special holiday that, yes, I've already bypassed because I told Alexa to play Christmas music. How do we enter into Thanksgiving? I already told you that everything we don't turn back to praise turns to pride. So how do we enter into that last week of Thanksgiving going, wow, I know where I'm at now. But I also know the opportunities that come with that. So you know what? I'm going to begin to adjust some things. I'm going to begin to adjust what I dream about. And if I get there, I get there. But I know that if I get there, I will have already set rhythms in my life that does good, that's generous, and shares. You know, as, as I reflected back, too, and, talk, and, and just thinking about why, why in the beginning did Wellhouse have this this not just vision of generosity, but we wanted to verbalize that over and over and over and over again. And here's why. Generosity is powerful. I don't care if it's as a, as a collective body, as a church, or whether it's in your individual life. I'm telling you, you, you walk into your, play, your place of business tomorrow, and you send a text on your way and say, hey, I'm running by Starbucks. Anybody want anything? It's amazing how that will change the spirit of your office, right? Why? Because of generosity. When we step into these moments of generosity, they are powerful moments. And you know what's even more powerful than generosity in and of itself? No strings attached generosity. See, if you walk into your office tomorrow with a cup of coffee and go, hey, I got you that cup of coffee. Now, where are we at on that project? But if you just lay that cup of coffee down and say, hey, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you not annoying me too much in the cubicle beside of me. I just want to say thank you. I was going to go through the line anyway. And guys, that's just a, a small snapshot. But no strings attached generosity is amazing. And it will shout louder into our community than solid theology ever will. Because here's what happens with, with generosity, especially no strings attached generosity. It is attractive it is confusing, and it is infectious. There'll be people that goes, I, I, I just got to know. I mean, you, it's attractive. And then there's going to be people who go, well, now that I know, why? And then if you tell them why, they're going to go, oh, I think I might want to be a part. And so generosity matters. Living rich matters. We are rich. And I want you to hear this. This is the last thing we'll put on the screen. God is not opposed to you having nice things. God is opposed to those things having you. When possessions become possessive, and that's what Paul warns against, he says, listen, God is not against you having nice things. That's why he says he's given them to you for your enjoyment. 
He says, but don't cross the line into arrogance and into pride when those things have you. And they have you on a chase. And I don't want to go back to that language because we just came out of a series on that. But when you begin to constantly move the line, God says it's a heart thing. You guys stand with me. I'm going to tell one more quick story. There's a moment when Jesus finds himself in conversation. I don't know about you, in these moments where I'm conflicted and going, I don't want to admit it. I don't want to admit it. But man, Jason's right. I do consume everything that I have, and I have more than I need. You know, I'm guessing that most of us this morning, I remember a conversation that I had in Africa one time that they asked me about American wealth, and I said, well, tell me what you think equates that. And they said, well, if you have a car and a house, well, you would, man, you, you would be rich. And I'm guessing that most of us stood inside of a house this morning, inside of a room in the house that's bigger than most of their houses, and looked up and looked down and looked all around and said, you know what, I don't have anything to wear today. And so when I get in these moments where God is tug of war on my heart of going, Jason, you have more than you need, more than you wear, more than you use. And by the way, you consume every bit of it. Here's what I do. I begin to look and take my cues from Jesus. And so that's why I want to end today with a story. So Jesus finds himself in the midst of a conversation with a rich young guy, a guy who has everything in front of him, his life in front of him, the opportunity to consume, but also the, the, the life in order to continue to build his kingdom. And so this young guy comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus, I believe, a sincere question. He says, hey, how, how is it that I get into this movement? How do I get it? How do, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says something to him, makes a request, which by the way, he never makes this request to anybody else. And so again, I don't want you to hear that God is asking you to go home and do a wholesale yard sale this afternoon. This is the only time Jesus ever asked this of anyone. But I think he asked this of him because he wanted me to hear it. And this is what Jesus says. Go home, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. And the text breaks my heart because it says that the young man left sad because he had too much on the line. Didn't have anything to do with percentages didn't have anything to do with red boxes. It didn't have anything to do with numbers. It had everything to do with his heart. And Jesus goes on to say that it's easier for a camel, big clunky animals, to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Now, We've already arrived at we're all rich, and so we better take note when he says it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven because we've already discovered this morning that each of us are rich. Now, that sounds really harsh, and that sounds impossible. Like, Jesus, are you telling me that I can't ever do? No. He's not saying it's impossible. But he says, here's what will happen if you take the posture of the rich young man. Here's what happens. Is that it becomes a distraction from God but it affects your dependency on God. 
you'll get into a place where you go, what, I don't need God because I have the ability to make and to get and to consume everything I ever want in life. So what do I need? And we become so distracted that we forget to do what Paul says. Do good, be generous, and share. God says, listen, I want you to have everything in the world. I created it for you. But the more you get, be sure that you're contributors, that you're distributors of those things. So let me ask you as we leave, how will you choose to be rich? I'm not asking you, are you rich? I'm asking you, how will you choose to be rich? Father, this morning, I hate it to bog us down in numbers, but God, we gotta see them. I think sometimes our Western American pressure cooker that we live in distorts the reality of what it is that you have done for us. And so we live in this constant pursuit of more. Oh, if I could just get a little bit more, then I could do more. And God, if I could just, you know, have this, then you know what, I'll do this. And I think God looks sometimes and says, no, you wouldn't. Because you've got every opportunity and every ability to do what it is that I've called you to do with what you already have. You can be good, you can be generous, and you can share with what you already have, and you're not doing it. So why would I think that giving you more would do us any good? So God, can we just stop in our tracks this morning and be honest with ourselves in front of you and in front of our, our, our body of people here that we call Wellhouse? Can we just be honest and say that we are rich and we will begin to posture ourselves in a way where we look to do more good, that we are rich in good deeds. That I'm willing to share. And I just live generously. Father, give us the opportunities. I don't even have to ask that because I know you will. But I'm gonna ask it because it'll heighten my sense of awareness when it does happen. God, will you give us opportunities to do those three things today before we ever hit the couch this afternoon? Will you give us opportunities to do it tomorrow? Will you give us opportunities to do it in the next week? Will you give us an opportunity to do it in this next season? That, oh, if we want to talk about consuming God, man, we will chew up consumerism in the next two months. So before it ever gets there, and some of us are fighting the tree that's trying to fall out of our attic because we don't want to get there, but God, can we, can we, in that can we have our hearts right before we enter into it? Can we say to ourselves that I'm going to live rich this season and it has nothing to do with what I'll put under somebody's tree. It will have everything to do with how I approach my life and world. God, thank you for everything you've done for us. We pray that none of that ever turns to pride, but it continues to be flowed out of our lives, out of our hearts, out of our mouths, out of our hands out of our feet as praise. God, I'm going to pray even bolder that if we can't figure out how to do this, will you take it from us? Give it to someone who can. Because God, we want to honor you with all things. And we want to create such a generosity, not so that people look and go, man, Jason is generous or Wellhouse is generous. They look at us and begin to say, man, they serve a generous God. Everything always points back to, to God, to Jesus. Through spirit, God, we, we, can, can, we, 
Can we commit to that? God, thank you for what you do for us. Thank you for the opportunities that you give us for you to work through us. Give us the courage to step into those things and be rich.